Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Okay, if you have a Bible with you, if not, it'll be on screen today. First Kings chapter 3. We're going to launch a new teaching series today. It will probably go for about six weeks. And uh, I'm excited about it. Uh, when I was recently ministering in India, the Lord began to speak to me afresh uh, about um, uh, the particular topic that we're going to be looking at. And, um, and we all need it, man. We all need it. I tell you, we need wisdom. We need wisdom. 1 Kings 3, verse 16. Now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. And one woman said, Oh my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house. I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. And we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I examined him in the morning, indeed it was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. The first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. We have a problem. Thus they spoke before the king. And the king said, The one says, This is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. The other one says, No, but your son is the dead one, and mine's the living one. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two. Give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, Let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. Man, she's ruthless. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king, this is King Solomon, had rendered. And they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Father, we thank you for your word. It's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, as we open your book, as we open the scriptures, We pray that it would become God-breathed life into us. We pray for regular impartations of truth into our lives as we examine the series. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would run before us and prepare the way of the Lord for us, Lord, to be not hearers only, but doers also of the Word of God. So be with us today as we open your Word, we ask in Jesus' name. So as you've probably worked out, we're going to talk about wisdom, the wisdom of God. Proverbs chapter 4 says this about wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. In other words, that's the thing above all other things. Therefore, get 
wisdom and all you're getting, get understanding. I don't know about you, but I, can, I, I can't even count on my hands. There's too many times where I've been caught in situations where I need to know something that I don't know. Does that make sense? Is that good Irish uh, for you today? Where we need to know something that we don't know, and if we don't find out what we need to know, then we're going to end up getting in trouble somehow. And life is always filled with unknown things. Have you found that out? You're kind of walking down the road, and then you come to a sharp corner that you didn't predict was going to be there, and you look around the corner, and you have no idea what you're supposed to be doing and how to navigate the next week or the next few days of your life. And we say many, we, we often say, well, te- um, that uh, experience is a great teacher. And that's cool, except for the fact that often our experience that we learn from is because we've made lots of mistakes. How about being able to move ahead in life and not make so many mistakes because God gave us some wisdom to know what to do at the right time? How many of you would like that a little bit better than just always saying, well, experience is a great teacher? Amen. How many of you felt that experience when you got caned at school? (laughs) Did it stop you from getting caned again? That's what I want to know, all right? (laughs) So, you know, we often say, I wish I'd known that before I da-da-da-da-da. And what about if we could avoid the heartache in our lives? You know, your heart is only made for so much heartache. Amen? And Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted within our lives. And one of the ways that he does that is that he gives us the opportunity to avoid it in the first place by dropping wisdom into our hearts and into our spirit. What about if we, if we knew what we needed to know before we needed to know it, how dramatically that could change the future course of our lives? What about having the wisdom to make sound financial decisions? Who would like that bit of wisdom today? What about relationships? Uh-oh, uh-oh. Who would like to have the wisdom to be able to navigate the current relationships that you have, the ones that you used to have that need to be repaired, amen, the ones that need to be sorted out and restored, and what about the relationships that God has got lined up for you in the future to make? Do you know how different it is when we have the wisdom of God in our relationships. Instead of saying and doing stupid things that endanger and harm the relationships that we have, we can actually progressively build better and better relationships because God's wisdom was with us. Oh yes, Lord, we want that. Even practical daily decisions that all of us need to make. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you know that you know that somebody's going to ask you a question today that you need to answer. Some of you who are in the marketplace, who are bosses, who are foremen, who, you know, you've got people looking to you every day and you know they're going to ask you a lot of questions during the day. You need wisdom to be able to answer all those questions. And so we see this incident that I opened with this morning. This is the incident of the first situation that King Solomon is brought, uh, this first situation that's brought to King Solomon after God gives him the gift of wisdom. 
And people saw immediately by the way that he handled that situation that he had the ability to be able to lead the people of God. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is knowing what to do in your life and having the insight and the know-how to be able to go ahead and do it. It relates to skill. It relates to brain power or intellect. And it relates to know-how. And we all need that wisdom within our life. And the proverb says, the wisdom's the principal thing. And then it says, and in all you're getting of wisdom, get understanding with it. So wisdom and understanding are often paired together. That when God drops wisdom in your heart, He will also place a spirit of understanding. And you know what happens when you understand something? And some of us wish we knew more when we were at school. Oh, I understand now. And you wouldn't have failed your exams. But we have those light bulb moments where understanding flicks on. And when you've got understanding within your life, you are equipped, man, to be able to make excellent decisions within your life. So I want to take a few moments just to go through a few people, a few verses, where we can see how God graced people's lives with wisdom. The first person is Joseph. And in the book of Acts, chapter 7, this is what God says about Joseph. But God was with him. Amen? Is God with you today? You may not feel like He's with you today, but I want to tell you, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord, you will know God's presence in your life. Verse 10, And delivered Joseph out of all of his troubles. Amen? Christianity is not a trouble-free life. Get that into your spirit today. You need to understand that. Any gospel... And any preacher that's promising you a life without pain, a life without troubles is lying to you. I want to tell you the truth today. Since I became a Christian, my troubles increased. (laughs) They increased. But guess what? God delivers me out of all my troubles and all my situations. And that's what having God on your side is all about. How the power of God will deliver you out of situations. Back to Joseph, verse 10, and God gave him favour and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all of his house. Now let's just get this into context for a moment. Here you have a young man around 30 years of age. He spent the last 10 years in prison. When we catch up with him in Scripture, the Bible's saying that there is favour and there's wisdom on his life. But I want to tell you something. He had everything going against him. He was an immigrant. He wasn't an Egyptian. All right? He was a Hebrew boy who had become a slave, falsely accused of raping his boss's wife and thrown into jail with the key being thrown away. He had a lot of stuff going against him in his life, and yet the Bible says that favour was on him. The Bible says that he had wisdom. And if you track through Joseph's time in prison, that he went from one event to another where people recognised that he had the know-how and the ability to solve situations and problems, and soon he he was the lead dude in prison that everybody was going to to solve their problems. And in one day, God takes him from prisoner to prime minister. And one day, God elevates him 
and takes a foreigner who's not even an Egyptian and brings him into the highest position in government to rule over a nation because he had the wisdom to interpret dreams and he had a plan, a fiscal plan that was able to stop the nation from entering into seven year period of famine and God gave him the economic policy to be able to save a nation from destruction. Do you know how many nations since in, in, in the continent of Africa have gone under because of famine? But because one man has favour with God and has been given the gift of wisdom over his life, everything in that whole nation and administration in Egypt, everything changed. How many of you are feeling the need for wisdom, more wisdom, more wisdom, more wisdom this morning as we look at Joseph's life? Then we've got a guy called Bezalel. Let's say that together because it's a cool word. Bezalel. Say it again. Bezalel. He was a cool dude. And God raised him up and filled him with the Spirit. Exodus 31. Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I've called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have, listened to this, I've filled him with the Spirit of God. I've given him wisdom, understanding and knowledge in all manner of workmanship. So we're seeing a different side of wisdom here. We're not seeing the wisdom to administrate and govern a nation. We're seeing the wisdom of an artisan, a, craft, a craftsman, who's been given special wisdom and ability and know-how to create and craft using his hands to be given great skill and wisdom. Wow. To design artistic works, to work in gold, silver and bronze, cutting of jewels for the settings and carving wood into work in all manner of workmanship. Man, with the internet now, you can just turn on Google Images and you can look at the most amazing works of art and craftsmanship. Guess where it all comes from, friends? It comes from being filled with the spirit of wisdom and understanding that comes directly from God. Even if a person is not following Christ, contained within their life, built into their DNA, God has given them the abilities and the skills to be able to do incredible things and so much more when they surrender their lives to Christ and what God can do in and through their lives. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, four young Hebrew men, God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. You see, friends, the thing is, is that I don't know all of your context today your workplaces, your families. But I can guesstimate on average, the law of averages that right now some of you have got major family divisions. You've got schisms, divisions, disunity. There's people of the family. There's people in the family that nobody wants to have a part of. There's roots of unforgiveness going on within their life. Somebody needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the spirit of wisdom and favour with God to be able to bring about reconciliation, restitution and forgiveness in the life of that family because that's what the spirit of wisdom will do. 
it can completely change and turn the tables around. Daniel again was placed as a young man and was recognised as a very young man as having something special and unique about his life. And he was nurtured over a period of three administrations of kings. This man ruled in a foreign country with everything going against him. And God took him to the top. And he faced adversity. He stopped the mouths of lions by the gift of God that was on his life. He had tons of things going against him. And yet, because of God's favour and wisdom on his life, he had a remarkable life that was displayed and characterised by the gift of wisdom that was on his life. Lord, we need your wisdom. We so need your wisdom. You know when Solomon, we won't read it for the sake of time, but let me tell you about Solomon. Solomon has grown up under his father who takes up great chapters of your Old Testament The pages of your Bible are filled with stories of a man who, Bible says, had a heart after God. He was a man of war. He was a warrior. Many of us can relate to King David. But all through David's life, he continually had to battle against his enemies and he had to subdue them. He had treachery. He had betrayal. He had sexual misconduct in his family. He had his own son raping his daughter. He had all sorts of stuff that went on within the family. It wasn't all roses in David's family. But God promised that his son, Solomon, would be raised up and Solomon would become a man of peace. And so David passes the reins over to Solomon. Solomon is crowned king. And I love this passage of Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 3, where as he realises the enormity of the task, and you may not have a task today like Solomon has in front of him to run a nation. You might have a task of running a business or running a shift or running something at your workplace or running your own home, which is not an easy task in the days that we live in. Whatever it is, all of us have some level of responsibility that we desperately need God's help and input upon. And you know what? David's, uh, Solomon, he's been educated. He's royalty. He's a king's son. He's been raised with the best tutors, the best professors, the best uh, corridors of the halls of power. He's had everything around him. But when he comes to his being instilled as the new king, this is what he says. 1 Kings 3 verse 7. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David. Listen to this. But I am a little child and I do not know how to go out or come in. Can I remind you he's a grown man? Can I remind you that he's had the best of everything? You see, friends, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we humble ourselves before the Lord and we become honest and we lower ourselves before God and we say to the Lord, Lord, I feel like I'm just a little kid. 
I don't know how to do all this stuff. I'm expected to run my business. I'm expected to run my family. I'm, I'm expected to be a father and a good father to my kids when my own father was a rotten father. I've got no model. I've got no basis. I've got no, no plumb line to work off. I need your help. I need your wisdom within my life. And Solomon cries this prayer out, this prayer. You, you know what he says? He says, this is what I want. God came to him in a dream and said, what do you want, Solomon? You can have anything you like. Solomon says this, I want the ability to have wisdom so that I can judge and discern and run my country properly. God says this, because you haven't asked for riches, I love what the Bible says. Because it's interesting, isn't it? First thing he says, because you haven't asked for money, I'm going to give you money anyway because you never asked me for it. But because you haven't asked for the life of your enemies, isn't that interesting? Because that's a very, very common issue with many of us is that we want payback. We want to deal with our enemies. We want to do things to them that are not Christian. And he says, because you haven't asked for vengeance, because you haven't required the life of your enemies, but you've simply asked me for some know-how, for some understanding, for a spirit of wisdom, I'm going to make you the wisest man on the planet. And I'll give you all the riches and honour that come with you. You see, that's why, friends, we, wisdom is the principal thing. Some of us are asking for money. Some of us are saying, give us this our daily bread and we're thinking of provision. What we should be asking for is wisdom because you'll get provision with, when wisdom comes into your life. Amen? So here's three very quick points about wisdom. Why you and I need wisdom. The first of all is number one is that the Lord wants to give it to you. Hey, look at, look at this verse, Proverbs 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. You remember Neo in the Matrix? The red pill or the blue pill? How many of you have gone to buy a car? The Nissan or the Toyota, or maybe you have upgraded a little bit and it might be the Mercedes or the BMW. <laughs> Choices. Choices. You know why we ask that question? Because none of us want to buy a lemon. Amen? None of us. I remember I was, I was a young guy. I was so passionate for Jesus and, uh, and I wanted to help our youth out in our church. And they had no transport. They had no way of getting around. So I thought, I'll sell my flash little coupe car and I'll buy a van. Problem is we just couldn't find a van anywhere. So one day across from my work I saw this I said to Viv it was a, a custom built van. And this is before we were married. And she came down on the train to visit me once from up north and, um, and she, as she pulled into the railway station she saw this I said it's yellow and she saw this creation that was parked at the train station. And what it was, was a yellow combi van that had had the whole back cut out and it had like a square box put on the back. It was literally square. 
And then it had, you know, the, the, you know how they have the uh, headlights on them? Well, the person who had customised it had actually built the headlights out so they looked like eyes that were bul bulging out. As, um, and, uh, you know, I, I never asked the Lord for wisdom because I was filled with passion. I just wanted to get something that had space on wheels in it. And my first week, the engine blew up on it. Now, you've got to remember, I have sold my racy little sports car and brought this for the work of the Lord. But you know what I never did? I never asked God for wisdom. And that thing, that thing cost me so much money that at the end of the day, I couldn't even sell it. Nobody wanted to buy it. I had to give it away. And then I found out the person I gave it away to, they never used it. They just kept it hidden in the garage because it was so ugly. I actually ended up giving it a name, Ichabod. For those of you who don't know the word Ichabod in the Bible means the glory of the Lord has departed. <laughs> so you may be choosing between your BMW and your Mercedes, but I was choosing between, you know, this, well, I had no choice. I only had one choice, this yellow Ichabod van that cost me thousands of dollars. God wants to give wisdom to us, Proverbs 2 says. We need to ask for wisdom. Amen. It says here that he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. How many times have you made unsound choices in your life? I bet too many that you'd like to recall. The Bible says God's wisdom is sound wisdom. That means it's going to work in your life. That means it's going to give you stability within your life because it's sound wisdom. None of us like the pinch and the feel of unsound decisions within our life. And you know why all this is available? Look at 1 Corinthians 1.24. But to those who are called, whether Jew or Greek, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God today. The reason why you and I can have wisdom within our life, the reason why you and I can be filled with the know-how, the understanding, the skill, the ability to do things that we don't normally inherit or possess is because Christ is the power and Christ is the wisdom of God within your life. And because He's in you, that means that wisdom is available should you need or require it. All you have to do is ask because the Bible says, the Lord gives wisdom. Amen. He wants to give it to you. Make it a daily prayer within your life to ask God for wisdom to be given to you. Secondly, because it brings a happiness into your life that the material world can never provide for you. Why is it, friends, that we get so sucked in to this world that we live in? With all of its allurements and everything that it offers to us, it's so, uh, you know, with the advent of an image-based world, we're so, so sucked in by what the world says will make us happy. This is what will make you happy, friends. Proverbs 3, verse 13. Happy is the man or the woman who finds wisdom. That's what's going to make you happy. Happy is the man or the woman who finds wisdom. And the man who gains understanding for her proceeds, who's her? Wisdom. We've now personified wisdom. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver 
and her grain better than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. And all the things that you may desire cannot compare with her. Wow. We're chasing the wrong things. We've been drawn in and allured into the wrong things, friends. You know, the world is craving for happiness. If you were to go into the Amazon.bookcom store and do a search on happiness, do you know how many books will come up? Thousands upon thousands of books written by so many people promising you happiness if you will do this, this or this. I want to tell you, friends, what we really need is wisdom. Wisdom of God is going to create happiness around about your life. Because without wisdom, we'll make dumb decisions that will create unhappiness around about our lives. It's as simple as that today. You know, I... Let, let me tell you a quick story. When I, when I had young children and we were pastoring our second church, we were living in Tauranga and Tauranga was starting to grow and all the prices were starting to go up just like it is in Auckland now. And, um, and we were on one wage. I had three children, uh, young children, young men. And um, we had one car. We often needed to be at two different places at the same time. You know how difficult that is with one vehicle? And, uh, and, 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 and it was just becoming really, really difficult for us. We never had a house. We were renting. And I had a guy that he, he, he was like the guys that, that David's mighty men. When David said, oh, I wish that I could have a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem. And what he didn't realize was that they were just ready to fill any wish or desire that David did. And they broke through enemy lines and they brought back a drink of water from the well for David. And David was so moved by their sacrifice that they were willing to suffer the loss of their own life simply to give him a glass of water that he poured it out on the ground as an offering before the Lord. And my uh, assistant pastor in the church, he loved me like a brother. And he already had his own house, but he still had a big mortgage on his house. And he was praying and he was saying, Lord, give me wisdom so I can somehow see Pastor James and Viv get into their own house. And so one day, he, God gave him an idea, and he went to the bank with this idea. And then he came to me one day, and he said, he said Pastor James, he said, I want to give, I'm going to put this much money into your bank account, and I want you to pretend it's yours. It's not yours, it's mine, but it's actually the bank's, but I want you to pretend that it's actually yours. And you've only got this much, you've got no more, and I want you to go and find a house to buy. And I said to him, what about if I could find a piece of land and build a house on it? He said, yeah, you've just, whatever, just, this is the amount, that's all you've got, all right? So I began to pray, and, uh, and I found a piece of land. And then I talked to one of the builders in the church, and, he, and I was sat down with him, we had a, had a cup of coffee, and on a napkin, we drew a house on a napkin in a cafe. And he said, yep, I can build this house for this much money. So I brought the land and we built the house feeling like it was my house. It wasn't actually my house. It was my friend's house, actually belonged to the bank. And you know what he did? You see, he got so much joy out of this operation of seeing and believing that God was going to somehow miraculously provide for us to end up buying that house off him, that he said, I want you to treat it like it's your house. 
And I believe his faith and his wisdom paved the way for the miracle that took place. And I've shared this miracle with many of you over the years, but some of you haven't heard it. But simply to say this, I got a phone call one day, not long after we'd built the house, still pretending it's our house. We chose the carpet. We chose the colour that we painted the house. We chose everything around. We chose the plants in the garden, everything around. It It felt like my house, but I knew it wasn't my house. But a spirit of wisdom had come on my brother to step into the gap and that God was going to come through and fulfill the faith that he had in his heart for us. And I've told you what happened. I got the phone call uh, from a, a man who wasn't a Christian, who was a friend of our family, and he just sold his business. And he said, he said to me, I want to give you some money so that you can buy a house. And I said, wow. I was thinking, wow, man, 20 grand, this is going to be awesome. We've got to put a deposit down. We'll be able to buy the house. And next week, the check arrived, and the bank check arrived in the mail. It was $100,000. So you know what happened? We brought the house off my assistant pastor and it became our house. All because one man prayed for wisdom to ask God to do the impossible and God did the impossible. I mean, who? what non-Christian gives away $100,000 in the first place? I mean, my gosh, what Christian gives away $100,000? <laughs> wow. So the point, the point is this. The point is this, friends, is that wisdom does amazing things in people's lives that unlocks potential with everyone that they come into contact with. And my friend... He was so stoked. He didn't care. You know, he, I, I, I did the sums later on and I knew that he suffered loss for the amount because he put a lot of extra into that house and he never asked me for the money because he just so wanted to bless us as a result of that. But his plan of wisdom came to pass. God had to do a miracle to do it, but he set up all the structure for the miracle to come. Isn't that amazing? Let's give the Lord a hand for that testimony. Lastly this morning, point number three and final point is that wisdom brings a stability to your life. Who wants to have a stable life? You know, prior to coming to Christ, my life was such a roller coaster. Everybody that was connected to me, they had to to put up with my extreme highs and my extreme lows. It was like, oh man, here comes James. Let's Let's all go for a little walk, shall we? You know, they'd see me coming and then they'd just kind of walk away. Um, and, 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 you know, emotionally, so many of us are like that. We have no concept of stability within our lives. We've grown up in unstable situations. We've grown up in broken homes. We've grown up with abuse. We've grown up with all sorts of things within our life. And we couldn't have a stable day in our life, even if we wanted to have a stable day in our life. But the Bible says right here, Proverbs 4.11, I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. And when you run, you will not stumble. Too many of us have got the testimony, two steps forward, three steps back. Come on. 
God wants us to. The Bible says that the path of the righteous is like the shining noonday sun. It grows brighter and brighter to the coming day of the Lord. That's our path. That's what wisdom will do for us. We will walk and we won't stumble. We'll run and we won't grow, grow weary because wisdom is with us and God has shown us what to do and how to do it. It brings stability. All of a sudden, we're not being tossed around by every wave of doctrine, tossed to and fro with every storm. Many of us, that's how we feel like our lives. And we hate it. Well, the Bible hates it too. Wisdom says, I'll lead you in the right paths. Amen. Wisdom says, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. Praise God. Open doors. Open doors of opportunity. Bible says that God will open a door that no man can shut. You want some open doors around about your life? Wisdom will open the door for you in many areas of your life. When you run, you will not stumble today. In conclusion this morning, Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. As a church, prophetically, God has spoken over our church. What does that mean? It means that God's, the Bible says that God knows the end from the beginning. Amen. And so what he often does, he releases a rudder, a steering mechanism into the life of a congregation, and he releases prophetic insight as to what he's about to do. And as we align ourselves with that prophetic insight, suddenly we're in a flow from heaven. Suddenly we're connecting to something that's supernatural. Suddenly we're no longer struggling and trying to work our own plans out in our own strength because we're in the flow of God. We're in a flow of wisdom. We're in a flow from the Spirit. Friends, why do we run the services that we run the way we do here at Faith Point? Because it's very different to most churches. Do you know why we do it? Because if I stood up every Sunday and I'm the only one doing anything in this church, you guys are never going to learn how to pray for the sick. You're never going to learn how to give thanks and give praise to God and the congregation of the righteous. The Bible says, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. You know, we need to learn how to praise God. We need to learn how to pray out loud. We need to learn just not for it just to be the few righteous ones, but for us all to participate, for us all to lay hands on the sick, for us all to be able to bring a word of prophecy. Because the Bible says that the fivefold ministry is given to the church to equip the saints for the saints to do the work of the ministry. Not for the pastors, not for the leaders, but for us to be activated in what we're doing. And wisdom will activate you in a way where success will come, where your paths will not be shaken, where you will not be put off, where you're going, you're going three steps forward and two steps back. You're still making progress step by step instead of in the other direction. But there is a way that seems right to a man and the way thereof ends in death. And too often in my time as a leader and as a pastor, I've seen people being presented with options for their life. And I've seen them take the craziest of options, friends. I've seen them connect with the wrong people. I've seen them, you know, because the Bible says this, look at this, let's finish off with this one. I'm going to ask you today, who are you hanging out with? Why do I ask that question? Because this is what the Bible says in Proverbs 13. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Just let that sink in for a moment. 
Here's the simple reason I ask this question. Because who you hang out with is who you'll become like. It's as simple as that. You want wisdom? Walk with wise people. Bring wise people around about your life. Get involved with people who are good, sound decision makers. Get involved with people who can bring stability into your life, who can impart wisdom into your life. And watch your life begin to turn and change and begin to see the Spirit of God in your life. So over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some practical areas of life when it comes to wisdom. We're going to talk about wisdom that will cause you not to be depleted of so much energy all the time, not to feel so wasted, so tired, so run down. We're going to talk about the wisdom that will energise your life. We're going to talk about the wisdom that will stop you from being so disorganised, that it's just like there's chaos around you all the time. We want to get you organised because the spirit of wisdom will organise your life in such a way that productivity can happen in your life. We're going to talk about the kind of wisdom that brings people from brokenness into a place of wholeness. We're going to talk about some practical things over the next few weeks. Could we stand to our feet, please?